It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Bengals offseason program continues, and Lyle Collins posted an encouraging update on Wednesday. Some discussion about that, plus Bengals Sands. Mike Santagata is here to talk all things Miles Murphy and DJ Juan Drago Turner. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi again, everyone, and welcome in to the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. No Jake Lisko, but we will be joined momentarily by Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter, Mike Santagata, to talk all things Miles Murphy and DJ Turner or Juan Drago Turner or Drago Turner. He goes by multiple names, but what we know is he's the Bengals' newest cornerback, a speedster that's certainly going to add a new dynamic to Luana Rumo's secondary. But before we get to Mike, Lel Collins, we talked about him a little on Wednesday's show, and I posted a video on Twitter of him just kind of hanging out at practice. Well, he was doing some sets and in clearly working out at Bengals practice on Wednesday. That session wasn't open to the media, but he did post a clip to his Instagram story, which naturally I shared on all of my social channels, put it up at allbengals.com as well. But it's an encouraging sign. There's no doubt about it. He looked to be confident in that knee, attacking and uh, powerful, all of those things that you look for. So who knows? It's May 24th. In a few months, could we see him out there? Let's say in three months. And and that would be, camp would be over. But could Lel Collins go out there and show that he's close to 100% and and make a push for that right tackle job? I certainly think so. And it it does feel like a, a domino will have to drop in that room, whether it is Lel Collins, whether it is Jonah Williams. But who knows? Lyle certainly has a lot to prove. He will be 30 years old in late July. I believe it's July 26th. So we'll see there. One other thing, happy birthday to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it's depending on when you're watching or listening to this. Obviously, the show is posted on Wednesday evening. And on Wednesday, it was the Bengals' 56th birthday. It was the day that uh, Paul Brown w- was able to officially reach an agreement to, to found the Cincinnati Bengals. And fun fact, as I was doing this Enter the Jungle book, which I haven't really talked about much on this podcast, I, I'm releasing a book about the Bengals coming up in September. You can check it out at CincinnatiBengalsBook.com. I've talked about it on social media, but that's not why I'm bringing this up. But when I was researching the history of the franchise, I know Mike Brown takes a lot of flack, especially pre-Joe Burrow, but he was a big factor in getting the team to Cincinnati. And he identified Cincinnati as an ideal target for the franchise when Paul Brown was looking to get back into professional football. So just a a fun fact, either way, happy birthday Bengals as they enter season 56. And well, they're going to have plenty of new faces on this roster, including Miles Murphy. Let's start there. Let's get to our interview with Mike Santagata, starting with a 28th overall pick 
Miles Murphy. Let's take a look at the Bengals 2023 draft class with Bengals Sands, Mike Santagata. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands and check him out, whether it's allbengals.com or it's always game day in Cincinnati. Got it right that time, Mike. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the 28th overall pick, Miles Murphy. He's someone that, well, you're higher, higher on, I think, than consensus. And I, I certainly think Bengals fans are going to enjoy your perspective. You've watched him, plenty of his tape, and, and looked at what he brings to the table. What's First and foremost, what stands out about Murphy as a prospect when you watch him on film? The combination of size, length, and his explosion get off. I know he didn't test super explosive, but I think that might be the T Higgins thing where he tested much worse in an area that he's clearly better at on film because his good, his get off really good. That combination along with being a five-star recruit and a highly touted high school prospect, you know, giant ball of clay that usually doesn't go this late in the first round. I was looking across at other guys, you know, Bradley Chubb's an example, but he was more productive, but he went what? Like, top five um then you get the two guys i think that well one guy commonly gets compared to him rashawn gary because that was more recent and i think this is kind of the career trajectory you'd be thinking of and this the other guy was jason pierre paul which is who i really like as a comparison because murphy has all the physical tools he's just very raw and some people can look at that and think well what's the how do you think he's ever going to get better but I look at that and I think this guy was producing six sacks and he didn't know what he was doing. So if Marion Hobby is able to get him to change things up a little bit, and we can get more into the minutia about that. But if he's able to get him to really refine his technique, use that explosive get off, which to me is the most important thing any pass rusher can have is the ability to get off the ball quick. And then he has the size to play versatile either inside and Basically, he could play wide nine with his get off or which is way outside the, the tight end, or he could play probably a little bit of three technique with his size. Mm. So that's the versatility to take him all the way out there to inside. And then I think there's a lot of potential as a pass rusher. You're probably not going to see it year one. And that's always scary because we live in an age that everything has to happen right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we have takes in the off season right after the draft, before the draft every day. I feel like you're going to take a deep dive into these guys, which is good, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a development for him. Every time you look at like um, Ogba is another guy that's kind of like mm. that, although I think he was a little bit less touted as a recruit, but Emmanuel Ogba, Rashawn Gary, Jason Pierre, Paul, there's a whole bunch of these types where they didn't really know what they're doing in college, but they have the size athleticism combination that is pretty rare to find. And they usually start a little slow and Gary just this past year, you know, got up to nine sacks, did, had a ton of pressure. He was dominant. Jason Pierre-Paul started his career, like, I think four, three, four sacks. And then the, the year after, which is quick, 16 and a half and finished top five defensive player of the year. But like, that could be the potential. Like I more, so I'd probably shave it off a little bit and say pro bowl, maybe all pro two potential, but that's where I think it is. And I think that sometimes you can miss that because he was a little bit lower production, which all those guys I've talked about were um, in college. And to me, it's easy to explain that just looking at him and saying he's got no counter moves, even his signature go-to move can use some work. And he doesn't really have a feel for the offensive lineman, at least consistently he's shown it, but he doesn't have a great feel for them. 
We'll get back to today's show in just a second, but today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering. The conference finals, well, there's still one matchup remaining. It's Boston, and can Miami get it done, or will the Celtics continue to make a push? You need to get to FanDuel right now, where you're going to get, well, probably the best offer that you can get right now, a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't hit. And so let's say you want to wager on Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals. You can do that, and if that wager doesn't hit, you're going to get bonus bets back right now with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I want to talk more about the the things he can do to refine his game, how he fits. We're talking about Bengals first rounder, Miles Murphy. But before we do that, you mentioned, and I've heard this, I think most of our listeners probably have heard this. He wins one way. He has one move. Mm -hmm. Can, Can you discuss how he wins? And will that one thing, does that translate in the league at all? Or does he need to completely revamp things? Can he win with it? Yeah, he can win. So what he likes to do is use either a long arm and use his length, but I think there's a way he can refine that. Or he, he even bull rushes, you know, speed to power, two hands, tries to run through guys. That translates because of his get off. Because he can get off the ball so well, he's going to get tackles to really have to go, oh, crap, oh, crap, you know, kick out there real fast. And while they're trying to kick out there and get out to stop the speed around the edge, which he can threaten, that's when he turns. Trey Hendrickson does it all the time, although he's got shorter arms, so he always goes two hands helmet down through the chest, but that speed to power, you know, get them to open up, turn, be like, I got to get out to this guy. And then right when he turns and opens his hips to him, you turn around and you try to power through them. He could do that. And it's good. This video, uh, if you're not watching video, I'll, I'll explain it too. But the one thing that stuck out to me with his long arm is he's straight ahead with it, which uh, you can see here. That's about how long it is. If he turns his upper body, like Carl Lawson used to be do, you're adding what three inches more to your long arm to be able to uh, be extra long. And he was effective with it, even though he didn't really turn his body and make himself longer with that one arm. He just had the one arm out and he was already long and in college. So it's able to work. But if hobby can get him to, we'll have to see if he can, but you know, contort the upper body while keeping the lower body consistently running through. I mean, that's how Carl Lawson became a pressure master. You hope that he can do more than just pressure, get the sacks and stuff. But that would be the first step, I think, is to make his signature move, that long arm, even better, and then work on the counters, the change-ups, and uh, even, I think, 
block recognition and feel for the offensive line as well. But yeah, I think his signature move or at least his go-to move right now will probably be his go-to move in the NFL. And it's probably what's going to work the best for him. He just needs to be able to threat. He needs to be able to threaten all three phases of the offensive tackle through him around him or inside of him better so that he really gets that offensive tackle. Cause if you're not going to win around the outside, then the offensive tackle is going to cheat a little bit and let you take that outside and then try to run you around. But if he can win around the outside with that get off and then also be able to run through a guy as he starts to look like he's going around the outside and power through him. That's great. That, that, that already makes you a plus pass rusher. I think. You mentioned some of the counters and stuff that he needs to work on. Let, let's look a little bit closer at that stuff. Did he show any, counter moves at, at Clemson is it just they need to be refined overhauled completely started from and learned from the ground up uh explain what you mean there obviously he has a couple go-to moves but is there just nothing else there right now there's not much I I do think against uh Ika McWanu who was the sixth or eighth somewhere around there overall I think it was sixth overall pick last year not this year mm-hmm. uh and he was only 19 years old when he went against him Iguanu would sometimes overset set too far. And he did show that he had like this club rip combination inside when he got a clear overset. So if he can develop that more, I think that's a good one because you're going to get a If everything works out and his get off translates and his speed translate and his power translate translates, then I think your counter move is going to be when they set out hard to you, you just swat them. So they keep going outside and you work inside. I think that would be the one thing. And he's already shown flashes of it. So I think that's what one thing he'd be working on, on getting better. I also just think he should probably develop swipe and chop a little bit more because those can work inside and outside for whenever they get, uh, try to get hands on you quick. So those, those would be what I'd be looking at. I don't think it's fully from the ground up, but I also wouldn't say he's too far off the ground either. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of (laughs) hovering. It's not, it's not completely broken, but it needs a lot of work. And I think those are the areas that if you polish it, you'll end up with a really, really good pass rusher. Just to clarify, there was a little glitch there, which is fine. It's modern age. It happens. You said swipe, chop. What were the other ones that you were mentioning? Uh, I was just saying swipe and chop. And like I mentioned, that club move to uh, club guys along the way earlier on. That that when they're setting out hard works really well because you're just going to keep them going. You're going this way. You're going to keep going that way because he's – hitting them with 280 pounds of force or whatever he's got going on. It, it sounds like, like I said at the start, you're high on Miles Murphy and, yeah. and maybe a bit higher than consensus, which is welcomed because I think anybody, anybody listening would love him to be Jason Pierre-Paul, would love him to be that great pass rusher. That, yeah. that Even if it takes a few years, by the way, if, if he develops into that. How does he fit now? Looking at this Bengals defense, you mentioned it. You don't expect him to be a great pass rusher as a rookie. Where do you think his game fits, translates, helps the Bengals in 2023? Well, despite Trey Hendrickson's um, awesome pass rushing, he's an okay, maybe a little bit below that run defender. I think you could give him some breathers on those early downs, especially against teams you know are going to try to run the ball. And Murphy has areas to work on the run game. But I think just that size, that length, and his strength does a good job, does a good enough job that he should be able to be – I think his floor as a run defender is pretty high. 
I think there's stuff to work on to, you know, become a Sam Hubbard type run defender, but I think he can walk in and be a pretty good run defender. So I think that's where you get your snaps early. You want to give him game reps as a pass rusher, obviously in the season, but where it fits better, I think is giving Trey Hendrickson a little bit of a breather or even at times kicking inside the three technique. I know, I think it was last week you guys mentioned BJ Hill, 900 something snaps. Yes. Got to find a way to get that down a little bit. So if he can kick inside on pass rushing downs, it takes some BJ Hill snaps and he can, which I don't think he's an awesome interior pass rusher yet. Cause I've, I like his speed. And when mm. you're inside, your speed is a little bit taken away but maybe you kick Hubbard inside and he's rushing from the outside, but I think you can make it work as a pass rusher on those pass on those passing downs, third down, third and long, second and long, even anymore The you can make it work. But I think where it fits a little bit better is to give Hendrickson breathers, give Hubbard breathers even. And uh, as a run defender, because I don't think you're going to lose too much with him coming on the field, especially for Hendrickson. It's interesting you mentioned that because I think that the key, and I hope they're willing to do this, is kick Hubbard inside a bit. I think that would kind of solve it, put Miles in a position to succeed right away. I think Hubbard, you mentioned his run defense. I think it works, and we haven't seen him play inside as much. And the other part of this, and it's something funny enough, your guy DJ Reader was talking to us about a few weeks ago. Hendrickson and Hubbard – don't want to come off the field. They'll be exhausted. And, and readers like, he, he said, he'll send guys, oh, sorry, go get him. Go get him for, for a snap or two. Good cam sample. Go get him. They need to be able to maximize their value this year by taking snaps off and some time off. And Osai, Murphy, all those guys in the mix. But certainly Murphy's a, a big piece of that. Does it make sense, you think, to, to kick Hubbard inside more? Because that's that's the clearest path for me. Not all the time, of course. But but you, you still put Murphy in a position to succeed, and, and I think Hubbard could thrive on the interior. Yeah, and they used Hubbard like that a few years ago. It wasn't yeah. last year and really the yeah. year before, but when they had Dunlap, I always yeah. saw Hubbard inside, Dunlap outside, and they, they were really good on those stunts and games. So if you can get Murphy to work those stunts and games like Dunlap and Hubbard were able to at earlier in Hubbard's career, I think it works. And even if you don't work that – I don't think either one of them is a great interior pass rusher, but you can manufacture stuff. You can run games. You can do whatever and make it work so that you still have your best four pass rushers on the field. And that's always a plus. So I, I think it works well. I think if you're just going to ask uh, either one of those guys to just win one-on-one -on -one against a guard with center help, possibly, then you're, you might not see too many wins, but if you can scheme it up, which Lou did, I'm not talking about, you know, a Paul Gunther, defense or Terrell Austin it was a it was a Lou Anarumo defense that Dunlap's first year with Lou Anarumo where they actually worked together um wow. it worked it worked out well it's shocker and yeah I know everybody remembers the year after what happened but the year before Burrow Anarumo was the coordinator and they ran all these games and stuff they had Hubbard on the inside I don't know why they stopped doing that but that's something that could really work with, between the two because I thought Murphy was really good on his stunts in college so if that translates, then you might be able to, you know, they might be able to work. Uh, I don't, I don't start to think of a two man combo. That's that's famous. You know, what Dwight Howard and Hito Turkle over there. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, Nikola Jokic and um, Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray. There you go. That, that would be one that would work. Shaq and Kobe. Well, that's too, I that's didn't want to go too lofty. That's what let's not, yeah, let's Hito. not, 
Parker, Parker, and uh, no, Parker and Duncan's probably too much. Parker <laughs> and Ginobili, Parker yeah. and Ginobili. That's still probably smaller. Too much. Trying to find a Anyways, idea. see, we could do NBA and, and, and go into an NBA tangent, but instead, you have more to say. No, that's all. Okay, all right, all right. I just want to make sure. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's go to round two. Juan Drago Turner. DJ Turner, the second. Bengals take him with the 60th pick. Obviously, he's known for his speed. Ran a 4-2-6 40-yard dash at the combine played at Michigan played on some really good defenses at Michigan. What stands out about his game? What do you like? What are you concerned about? Yeah. The movement ability translates on film. He's, I think the, you talk about prototypical, he's almost the prototype for what you're looking for in terms of movement. And that's something that purely talking movement ability reminded me of Jonathan Joseph, who was similar, you know, the movement ability and all of that. I don't think that's the one-to-one Whoa. comparison. There's a reason he went later in the second round that we'll get there. Say that's it. No, of, say he's next J. That might be the Come ceiling. That better be get your ceiling. Gatorade ready. I think J. Joe could be the ceiling. Like it's not impossible because of the movement. Um, that's the first thing that really stands out. And that's everything. It's really smooth hips. I, there, and there's, uh, you know, the four, two, six speed shows up and, just working side to side shows up. Everything you're looking for in terms of his movement is there. So if you can get everything else to work, then you're cooking with gas. I just think like there are so many times I think he didn't play with perfect technique. Like he opens up his hips too early and the guy goes to his backside. And unlike most corners who, you know, get into Oh crap mode, he's just flips his hips 180 degrees and just works that way. <laughs> like that's not normal. That is uh that's pretty awesome. And I think that's uh, why you could be bullish on him for even being there at pick 60. Yeah. I, I was surprised. I was surprised he was there at 60. I was having a conversation in the media room and there was about five picks to go and Kelly Ringo, Keely Ringo was there. Um, there was a couple other guys at I think someone mentioned, and I was like, DJ Turner. And they were like, they said something. And, and I was like, no, I think DJ Turner's in the mix and it, it ended up being him. And it's just makes a lot of sense to me for, for him to be in the mix here. What, what are you concerned about? He's 22 years old. So age, especially in this draft, he's not an older prospect. He's about average, I would say there. Um, but, but what concerns you when you look at DJ Turner or Juan Drago? I need to get used to it because Drago is uh, it's a pretty cool name. <laughs> um. The first thing is something he can't really fix, and that's just his length. It shows up a little bit because I think he's an outside guy. I don't think he's an inside guy that some people have pegged him as. And I, I listened to the Lou Anarumo Zach Taylor press conference after the pick, and they said outside corner. They didn't say nickel or anything like that. So I was like, all right, my my take has been confirmed, at least in my mind. I <laughs> think that was enough for me uh, because he just moves too well to stick him inside 
and he's light, but the length is the one concern with being an outside guy. There's two things with that is one, he likes to jam guys. He can't really two hand jam just because of the length, but he, he actually makes up for that because he actually does turn the body. If you listen to the first part of this, turns his body when he goes for the one arm one and makes himself really long. It just stabs mm-hmm. them in the chest real quick, disrupts the rhythm as a, as a jam. But what he's best at is what William Jackson was actually best at, which is mirroring the release and not jamming them until after everything's done, then give them mm-hmm. a little hit. So that's what uh, he does well. But the length is a little bit of concern there. And the weight, I think, is the other concern. Just taking on blocks making tackles, which I didn't think he had perfect tackle for him either. He's kind of like a, at times he just kind of hops on him and tries to get him to come down that way. So like, you know, kill the engine, all that stuff, you know, wrap the legs up. But I think the weight, he get in the weight room. He's got a year unless, you know, somebody gets hurt, which somebody probably will at some point, but he's probably got a year until he's a full-time starter. So get in the weight room and get stronger. He can't get longer, but the only time that's really going to affect him is when specific jams. But the other thing is perfect throws can beat him. And it showed up a couple of times, like low and away from him. You see his outstretched hand and you're like, man, another inch on that fingertip. And this ball would be tipped. It would, it's just like, that just stinks. He's perfect. He's did everything right. It's just a perfect throw can beat him right now. But hey, quarterbacks aren't going to make perfect throws all the time. So I'm not super concerned about that. I'm more so think about the weight and just get 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 his weight up so he can handle some of these big receivers. Yeah, it, it makes it makes a ton of sense to me. We'll get him in the weight room, and uh, I know Dax Hill part of what he's doing this off season, putting on a little extra weight, and uh, so DJ Turner could follow that that route as well. Obviously, they were college teammates. Uh, how does he fit? You kind of uh, mentioned it. I feel like he is. You're right. Fourth corner backup outside corner. If you need him in the nickel, I think he could do mm-hmm. it. I agree with you though. I don't think that's really in play. You know, they have two nickel cornerbacks on the roster, both under contract for the next two seasons. So yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think he's you, you, cornerback four. Is, uh, is that how you see him just backing up these, these guys on the outside? Yeah. I see him backing up the guys on the outside. Like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if he won the backup nickel job. Uh, or, like if Mike Hilton gets hurt, I could see it going there. I just think his long-term projection is going to be on the outside. That's where you're going to look for him to start three years from now, two years from now. Um, But yeah, first year, kind of that NBA six man. I'm going to fill either spot, hopefully, but maybe just back up outside. We'll see. He didn't play too, too much nickel at Michigan uh, every once in a while, but he mostly played outside. It's interesting. Draft guys are always, I feel like, trying to move these guys around, you know, saying he's a nickel. I remember Cam Taylor Britt took like two snaps in a game and they were saying like he might be a safety. It's like, well, he took two snaps there. <laughs> I don't know how we're getting that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. So the idea of, of DJ Turner and Cam Taylor Britt being cornerback one and two in 2024, and I'm not trying to pencil in those two guys and, and no Chidobe Awuzie, but does that scare you? Or is that something where you're like, yeah, both the, both guys, especially under Luana Rumo, could be solid players in year two and solid starters. Cam Taylor Britt, it would be year three. Doesn't scare me. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, okay. Cam Taylor Britt's kind of your bully. He's a guy that if their best receiver is a big guy, you're probably going to put Taylor Britt on him and just, you know, try to get him to waste a lot of energy, jam him at the line. And then if it's a, you know, 
a smaller, faster route running type, that's when you put DJ Turner on him. He's probably not going to get sauced up. He's probably going to stick with him on any vertical routes. So I think from that standpoint, it makes a lot of sense that you're going to have those two there. Always a little nervous, I guess, with two young guys that I think Taylor proved enough that he's a starting corner, but, and that was with Eli Apple on the other side. So I was going to say like, what about, you know, without another uh, true number one guy, it's not like they really had that. They had two number two types to me in Eli Apple and Cam Taylor Britt, at least Cam Taylor Britt's rookie year. And we'll see where it goes, but you know, especially with Luana Rumo, I feel fine about it. I guess the one thing you can think about is what about when the safety play might get a little bit worse than mm-hmm. Von Bell, Jesse Bates, which you're hoping it stays, you know, you're hoping Dax sells a superstar and you're hoping that Jordan battle, Nick Scott over the next three years, the combination is going to be just as good as Von Bell, but realistically, at least at first, it's probably going to be a little bit worse. And it's all related. So can the corner play make up for the slight drop in safety play? That would be, I think, the bigger concern to me than those two just starting. Because I guess I am, I feel good enough about DJ Turner that I think he's a starting level corner. And I think there's potential to be much better than that. But I can see at least just, you know, a solid starting corner that you trust quite a bit against speed guys. That's episode one with Mike Santagata. And well, on the the second show that we're going to do on this film breakdown NFL draft edition is look at the day two. Well, the second day two guy in Jordan battle, and then some wide receivers, my favorite, some offensive guys, whether it's Charlie Jones, Chase Brown, a little Andre Yosevash. So we will do that on tomorrow's show make sure you hit that subscribe button ring the bell follow mike at bengals underscore sands on twitter and until next time thank you so much for listening to the locked on bengals podcast if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast join the draft dudes kyle krabs and joe marino as they go position by position through the nfl free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 nfl draft if you want to know who your favorite nfl team should be adding to its roster you need to check out locked on nfl scouting available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.